Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to Drinking Well, a podcast by Barry Brothers and Rudd with me, Barbara Drew. We're delighted to be recording our Christmas specials right here in our home in historic St. James's. As a wine merchant, one of the questions we get asked most often is, what shall I serve at Christmas? So for this week's episode, we sit down with account manager Amy Johnson and head of commercial management Martin Rolfe to discuss the red and white wines you should be opening this Christmas. Amy, Martin, welcome to Drinking Well and thank you for taking the time to sit down with me today. Now, Amy, this is your first time on the podcast. It is. Welcome. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about your journey in the wine trade so far? Yes, so I joined Berries only in the spring of this year. Um, So I think that's seven months now, which is um, quite astounding, really. It's gone very, very quickly. But originally, I come from a hospitality background, working in restaurants, fine dining, around this area, actually, here in St. James's. And then I went into events from hospitality. And, you know, in this area, the the restaurant scene's absolutely sensational. And wine was something that sparked interest for me because wine's something that's been in my family. Um, My grandparents were big collectors of wine, so they really enjoyed it. So growing up, I've had wine at the dinner table and things like that when I was quite young. Um, So moving to Berry Brothers was the right move for me because it meant I got to, you know, work with amazing people, work with wine, do some traveling, you know, all that has happened pretty much in the last seven months. Month, so it's it's been amazing but yeah wine is, is something that's a, a real passion of mine fantastic and you mentioned wine around the dinner table growing up were there any particular special christmas wine traditions you had in your family <laughs> yes definitely i think burgundy was definitely something that it always made an appearance at, at most occasions actually but actually my my family were huge lovers of bordeaux so things like chateau du score was a, a real something that they brought out at christmas you know not not necessarily kind of first growths in my family um but that was something that yeah really it was something growing up was a a household kind of name for us at Christmas which is lovely. Wow what a treat (laughs) and Martin you've been here before we've had you on the podcast in season one talking about Burgundy but today you get to stretch your wings and talk about some other regions as well. Apart from Burgundy is there a particular region that you're passionate about? I've been in the wine trade for 20 odd years now at Berries for 11 of those. I guess the advantage of that is is I've been very, very lucky to do lots of traveling, you know, learned a lot about massive variety of re- regions. Aside from Burgundy, um, obviously Claret is something that we have huge exposure to within Berries. So I've been lucky enough to go to, to Bordeaux maybe sort of 10 times, I guess, for all the on-premier seasons. But I really, really enjoy uh, Tuscan Reds, so Sangiovese blends. I love Rioja. It's always been a, a real sort of passion of mine and something I always tell customers 
customers is a fantastic place to look for, for big bottles, be that magnums or double magnums or even bigger if you've got a big party. I love Riesling. Uh, I love Chardonnay, be that from Burgundy, be that from California. What hopefully we encourage a lot of our customers to end up with, which is a real sort of eclectic cellar, with lots of flavours, lots of styles, different things for different occasions. Brilliant. So lots of ground to cover today then. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's get into it and have a chat about the white wines that we should or could be drinking at Christmas. So there are lots of classics that people go for, but perhaps some more unusual styles as well. Amy, let's start with you. Are there any particular regions that you tend to head to when thinking about Christmas white wines? I think Christmas is a time to really be quite playful um, and maybe go sort of out of the ordinary. It's a really special time and you've got lots of friends kind of coming over, family, bringing out things that you wouldn't normally have. For me, that's quite important. I think this year I might be looking at something like a Riesling um, from Germany just because I think they can be really refreshing and sort of zingy and that's quite fun, particularly in the winter. I'm vegetarian, so my my palate's kind of quite funky. There's lots going on, lots of big flavours. So having something that can kind of stand up to that is quite important. Big, bold flavours and and a lot of sort of florality that I think you get with Riesling is lovely. And equally, if you're having sort of seafood, you know, oysters before Christmas, it's Christmas after all, so your kind of oysters and things like that, um, I think they'll be be really, really lovely. I think some some customs are still under the sort of view that Rieslings are often going to be sweeter as well, or sort of medium. I think it's a, a really important point that a lot of German and Alsatian Rieslings are lovely and dry. So you have that lovely, um, real refreshing acidity, bone dry, mineral, sort of lemon limey hints, um, fantastic with seafood. Yeah. And um, certainly within the private client team at Berries, it really is trying to sort of get that message across to customers that the wines that perhaps, the reasons that ha- perhaps customers have sort of moved away from having been sort of still coloured by the 70s and 80s, actually a lot of them are, are bone dry and absolutely worth um, worth another look. Um, what else would you be looking for at this time of year, Martin? Burgundy is obviously the one that, that a lot of us will fall back to. I probably will as well. Um, if I quickly uh, look a little bit more wider away from that, I think um, the white wines of the Rhone, somewhere I, I often look. So there we're, we're talking about wines which are generally going to be Roussan Marsan blends. They're going to have the same sort of weight and texture as Chardonnay. So sort of they carry food well, but they have a different flavour profile. Often they'll be a little bit more sort of honeyed, a bit more sort of baked apple. I think that Pricing wise, they're they're really attractive as well. Particularly, you know, you, you can pick up some real bargains on the broking exchange with you know anything up to three, four, five years worth of age on them. So yeah, sort of white roans, I think, continues to be sort of an undervalued, underappreciated place to look. I think. I'm a big, big fan of the uh, the white wines of the Rhone, so would completely agree with that. You mentioned something interesting there about texture and weight and how that makes these wines very food friendly. And to what extent do you think it's important to be matching the wine closely with the food? Or actually at Christmas, is that something you can just throw out the window? I think there's an argument for both in all honesty. I think um, the food and wine matching purist would talk about matching weight. So if you're having a sort of full flavoured dish, you want a more full robust wine. Um, if you're having a dish that has lots of acidity, if you're having perhaps a tomato mozzarella salad at some point, it's not particularly Christmassy, but if you're having something which is sort of high acid, then then something like a Riesling or a Chablis, etc., would, would work well. But but equally, it also comes down to, to the flavours we enjoy. So I think in terms of how I 
what I serve with my food. It's a combination of the two, really. I'm, I'm trying to think about what's going to match the dish, but also there's just wines that I just really love and and I just want to drink it. <laughs> so um, if it's a treat, then I'll, I'll simply enjoy it as and when I want, really. Quite right, too. Um, I think we can agree Christmas is definitely a time for bringing out those special bottles. Amy, are there any bottles in your cellar, anything you've been keeping for just this occasion? Well, my son is a little bit newer, um, just given I, I'm fairly new to the industry and, and a little bit more youthful perhaps than uh, Martin Thank here, you. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would say that um, I picked up recently, uh, I, I, went, I went to Italy in, in July, um, and we visited Barolo and Barbaresco, um, and I picked up uh, Grimaldi, actually it's 2016, so I think it perhaps is a little bit early to, to take it out of my cellar, but I, th- I, I maybe I will maybe it might be a little in a few more years but that's something that I'm looking at um, with a bit of curiosity um, I think their wines are, are absolutely beautiful they have a lovely elegance and I think Barolo is something that I'm definitely considering for Christmas dinner this year just because of the newer styles less of the traditional styles but the newer styles I think have a beautiful kind of elegance and really nice fruit character there's also we've got sort of cranberries and those red fruits there that would pair really nicely with your Christmas dinner you know there's there's lots of there's lots going on in a Christmas dinner. There's lots of sides. If you're in my house, there's about 10 different sides that you could be having. So there's lots going on, lots of kind of different things happening. So having a wine that maybe has a little bit of spice, some kind of, you know, real fruit core, to me is really important. So I haven't necessarily decided which one yet, but I think Barolo is definitely a, a contender this year. So that's really interesting. So thinking a bit more about the reds, Barolo is often seen as a red wine that has to go with meat because of the tannins. So I I'd love to hear some of the dishes that you pair Barolo with. Um, I would completely agree that it's a wine that can be very, very versatile. And I think sometimes our listeners might be a little bit shy about pairing it with lighter dishes or vegetarian dishes. So Amy, tell us tell us about some of the dishes you might be pairing your Barolo with. <laughs> so my Christmas dinner this year, I think is probably going to be some kind of sort of pastry volivant, maybe with some butternut squash, some chickpeas, a little bit of spice because vegetables do need a bit more help in that sense. It will probably have some kind of fr- dried fruits in there, some nuts. And I think the Barolo will go really nicely because it does have a wonderful complexity complexity and lots of different layers you know when they're on the more elegant side they do have really beautiful sort of fresh roses and things like that and and the cranberries and it's it's just such a beautiful pretty wine it can be and then with a bit of age you've also got really nice depth of concentration with animal-y notes to it and the deep spices which I think will pair with my kind of vegetarian food at Christmas. (laughs) And Martin do you tend to go for one flagship wine for your Christmas dinner or would you rather have a selection on the table both white and red? Tell us about your approach to choosing bottles. I'll I'll tend to have um, a mix really in honesty probably a couple of different whites, a couple of different reds. My family are sort of in, have increasingly become interested in wine as my career in wine has sort of extended, um, particularly my my parents-in-law. You know, it's all about different flavours. And, you know, as, as we know with Christmas, a lot of people have turkey. Is it about the turkey? Perhaps to some extent, but it's also about the other flavours on the plate. So really strong flavours. You know, if you have a fantastic gravy, you've got pigs in blankets, you know, the, the, the bits that we really, the bits that we really, really love on, on, on the edge of it, you know, the, the bacon and cabbage and cream sort 
sort of sort of mix and vegetables, etc. I think there's a lot of flavors there. And if if I go to my personal taste, you know, I love I love Pinot Noir. I'm my sort of principal passion in wine, I guess, is probably Burgundy. It's fair to say both red and white on the red side i love pinot because it gives you or it can give you such beautiful pure defined red fruits it is relatively low tannin um in in the scheme of red wine so they they can be very very silky um very very sort of cleansing because of the acidity but as i said previously i i I love rioja as well and why rioja is a great choice for for Christmas, just as it is for for Easter or you know any any real special occasion, is it's just so versatile that the, the tannins tend to be a lot softer than claret, for instance. And because a lot of Rioja is aged in American oak rather than French, you get a lot more of the oak derived flavours. Which, in terms of American oak, you know I, I sort of often talk about sort of Rioja spice, so it's cinnamon, it's clove, it's that sort of vanilla hint that you get from from the oak. So so sort of. Red and black fruit, but often more red than black in Rioja. Soft tannins, still reasonably full-bodied. Not quite as much as a claret, perhaps, but certainly much more full-bodied than a burgundy. So um, I think it, it, it really does tick an awful lot of boxes as having all those secondary flavours which match with all sorts of different things across any number of things that could be on your plate. And obviously, you know, not everyone has turkey these days. Um, a couple of Christmases ago, much to the despair of my parents, um, I insisted on doing a rib of beef. Um, <laughs> and again, you know, it's it's you know fantastic in that instance. My partner had a rack of lamb last year because so he he doesn't like he's not veggie so I I cooked him a rack of lamb and yeah he uh, was very thrilled with that so something like a rioja I mean that would be absolutely amazing. I think more and more people are looking you know Definitely. not feeling like they have to be con- constrained to turkey. I actually quite like a turkey. I sort of um, have a smoker and when I do turkey I do it outside, which sort of oh, keeps oh, keeps wow. me busy in the mornings. Basically, it gives me a task, a job to do because I don't really like <laughs> sitting still on Christmas Day. So I do enjoy it, but yeah, sort of mixing up every few years with something else be that beef be that lamb etc is i think a duck goose etc is a really good idea i think you guys have got me sold on the rioja are there any particular producers that you're really excited by at the moment i mean the, the headline ones really from from my perspective is the sort of traditional producers so often they fall into two brackets the producers who age their wines for extended periods such as la Rocaralta, Vina Tondonia, Cune, give three examples, and others who um, make wines in a more modern way and age for a much shorter period in oak, people like Artardi, perhaps. Um, I'm sort of in the camp of of the old-fashioned traditional guys. So, for instance, we, you know, not too long ago, we were selling the 2010 Vina Tondonia. So that sees about five or six years, perhaps, in barrel before then being uh, matured in bottle for another three or four years and then being released to the market. So it's perfectly ready to go. You've got all the sort of secondary flavours beginning to come along. La Rioja is a is a producer which you know, a lot of our customers will be very, very familiar with. They make a range of wines, Vina Ardantha, 904, 890. Um, we've sold an awful lot of it over the years because we've been very clear that it offers real quality to the price versus the price for our customers. So yeah, customers with with sort of mature vintage of that and their sellers have are in for a in for a real treat. And if you bought bigger bottles then then all the better. You know, Rioja is one of those regions whereby you can find bigger bottles without paying a particular premium for them. Um, so be it magnums or double magnums, um, they really make a statement on the table and are fantastic. Are there any other advantages to um, magnums? They obviously look look fantastic. They're quite heavy to uh, to pour. I mean, do they do they taste different? Is there any difference in how they age? So there's there's definitely a a viewpoint that the optimum 
optimum bottle size in terms of ability to, to age as magnum. It's due to the uh, ratio of air versus volume in the bottle. So that's, you know, certainly a consideration. But I mean, from my perspective, it really is kind of just about theatre, really. You know, Amy and I are very, very lucky in that we work in the wine trade and we come across big bottles all the time and, and it, it's it's not a, uh, a rarity to us. But for the majority of, of people, it kind of is. And, and a big bottle on the table is something which is basically just really, really good fun. People enjoy the theatre of it, the enjoyment of, of not maybe just having a, a single bottle, which by the time you spread it around four or six people means, you know, you can't really have, have more, than a, more than a glass or so. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love... Double magnum and upwards because um, a double magnum is is three liters of wine, um, and um, if you've got you know eight ten people around a dinner table, maybe you have some left the next day, maybe you don't. But it's a real bit of theatre to put it in the middle of the table. Um, you mentioned both Pinot Noir and of course Chardonnay from Burgundy earlier, Martin. You're a big fan of Burgundy. Amy, a question for you: Do you think that Christmas is a time for bringing out your Grand Cru's, your Premier Cru's from Burgundy. Would you go for perhaps a village wine? Is there some advice you can give us there? I think the best thing to do at Christmas is whatever you want. (laughs) Christmas really is that time for celebration. And the most important thing for me is that everybody at my Christmas is drinking something they're actually enjoying. And that means for some people bringing out your best Premier Cru, your Grand Cru. And definitely for me, that would be something that I would be bringing out, you know, something with a lot of complexity. Well, you're talking about what you pair with Christmas dinner and actually because there's so much going on in the Christmas dinner, you do need a wine that can kind of live up to that. So having something with, you know, all these different characteristics is, is really, really important to me. But you're not always going to have everybody around at Christmas that likes those kinds of wines. So actually, I think there's definitely um, opportunity there to have village level wines for if your neighbours are calling around with, you know, their biscuits that they've baked for you or something, or, you know, you've got people stopping by that you don't necessarily want to open a kind of 100, 200 pound bottle of wine, but actually you want something that's really, really lovely. And there's definitely wines to be had, you know, in Burgundy, producers like Merlin who you know he makes our berries own wine so that for me is something that I will definitely stock up on a case or two of that because it's it's fun it's it's delicious and it's not you know necessarily your your best wine ever but it's definitely something for the festive period I love the idea of your neighbours stopping around with baked biscuits fantastic <laughs> also you you can guarantee you're always going to have that one person that gives you a gift that you haven't necessarily got them a gift and the kind of panic and having a few cases of something in the back of the cupboard is, is definitely worth doing <laughs> I think that's very fair sometimes we can get sidetracked thinking about wines for the the day itself yeah and actually there are so many occasions around christmas um in the run-up in that wonderful time between christmas and new year uh, i believe it's called betwixtmas <laughs> i um, love that term <laughs> um, all of those occasions when you may well need a few bottles of something stashed away Martin, are there any particular vintages which are tasting really, really good at the moment that you think actually now is a great time to take them out of your cellar and enjoy those wines at their peak? So if we start with whites, I think 
in terms of what our customers have got on their sellers, I think there's probably a, a pretty high ratio of Burgundy in, in all honesty, and you know, be that from the Cote d'Or or be that from Chablis. We've had a succession of pretty warm vintages um, in recent years, which is great because it means that you they're drinking well relatively in their relative youth, I guess. In terms of recent vintages, you know, if anyone has any 2014s in their cellar, you know, one of the absolute great Burgundy vintages, beginning to drink absolutely beautifully now, no immediate hurry, but but absolutely lovely. Anything beyond 2014, really is sort of in its absolute prime now and looking more recently 2015 is a hot vintage um, therefore you get lovely sort of ripe baked apple sort of fruit pear not tropical but on the on the sunnier side i guess if you think of sunny fruit so 15's absolutely good to go across all all levels now um be that bourgogne blanc be that uh, village premier crew even up to grand crew 2016 similar 2016 maybe a little bit more a little bit more freshness but similarly warm 2017 uh similar to 14 a sort of a fresher real sort of classic vintage 18s are drinking beautifully as well now because it's a warm year so there's a lot of vintages that are drinking well out there now but um i'd say particularly 2014 to 2018 all within that bracket are in many in many cases working very 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 well indeed if we look to Chablis I always think that Chablis just needs maybe a little bit more time than people tend to give it if you're looking from 2018 and further back then they're going to be absolutely absolutely beautiful now on the red side and a word to Bordeaux because we haven't said much about Bordeaux at the moment or how could you have Christmas without Bordeaux (laughs) exactly you know I'm talking about my passions being Rioja and Burgundy but I do have a lot of Bordeaux in my cellar as well It's, it's hard not to be tempted over the years I think that Again, a lot of claret, people talk about that sort of 10 years to rest before you enjoy them. My favourite vintages and maybe some of the sort of what others might consider to be the lesser years, sort of the more medium bodied vintages like 01 and 04. 07 is sort of considered by many to be a sort of a weak year, but I've actually had some really good good 07s recently. Some 2014s are beginning to drink pretty well, so you don't always have to wait sort of that 10 year period. But certainly, you know, the wines that, that I get particularly excited about from Bordeaux are are the mature examples when you have probably on average sort of 10 plus years and then you get all those sort of lovely sort of meaty tapenade sort of you know cigar box sort of secondary flavors coming through and of course then the tannins are a little bit softer makes them a touch more food friendly as well actually more more versatile yeah mature bordeaux is is exactly that they, they become a lot more approachable um, and you get a lot more of the sort of secondary flavors which is what makes claret so special Something we haven't touched on yet, of course, in food is cheese. So, Amy, Martin, what is your view on wine and cheese? Should we stick with the red wine? Do we go back to white wine? Do you have a particular go-to wine that you always bring out for the cheese board? I'm a white, uh, so am I. white yes. cheese guy. Um, <laughs> and I guess... Um, I'm sort of, I'm also slightly picky about my cheese. Um, I'm not sort of a blue cheese sort of a person. I'm a I love hard cheeses. I love things like Comte, Gruyere, etc. Yeah. And I love a Poisse. And for those, you know, I, I can think of nothing better than than a white Burgundy in in general. So something like a Chassin, perhaps, which is going to have a lovely sort of freshening acidity, lovely sort of floral, sort of white flowery notes. That would be my that would be my pick. I, I I think that red wine at the end of the meal. I don't know, I'm sort of ready to freshen things up a little bit, to be honest. I've had had my fill of red and I just want a bit of a freshener. Yeah, it can be as well. You know, like you said, it's that moment where you're kind of quite full, but you're sort of powering through because the cheese board, I'm the same as you, Barbara, is the best bit. Um, So yeah, it's something where you do need to have something a little bit fresher. And I think the acidity you get with whites particularly is just 
it cuts through kind of all that heaviness that you mm, get with definitely. cheese and cheese you know it is rich so having something that's kind of bright and exciting is, is really important and boxing day leftovers do you have a go-to wine for that i i think that's the point at which you open up the single most exciting thing you have you don't worry about food and wine matching there's so much different food you know a lot of people i assume do what my family do which is you have just you know the world's greatest buffet uh, (laughs) with 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 additional pile of um, of freshly done roast potatoes and everything else so so you've got so many flavors to enjoy and so many additional things and obviously you know everyone has their own traditions in 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 their family so yeah that's the point at which um i will make sure i have a bottle or two of something which is simply my favorite thing to drink i guess that's brilliant advice I love that. I think on Christmas Day, I'd probably have opened up lots of different... I do tend to open up lots of different wines because you've got so many different people there. Everybody's got different taste. And why not, really? Why can't you open up you know, lots more than you would normally? We have spoken about wines that we enjoy drinking at Christmas, but of course, wine makes a wonderful gift. Amy, is there a particular special bottle on your gift list this Christmas? Yes, I I mean, as you can imagine, well, as our listeners can imagine, working here, the, the list gets very, very long of, of the wines you like. Um, I definitely like to have some wines from Eben Sardi because they are just phenomenal. He visited us in the summer and it was the fullest tasting room we've had for, for a tutorial like that because he's just a real rock star and it, creating just fantastic wines and really kind of representing the terroir in South Africa. Um, so that's definitely up there on my list. Um, I think Gioconda is another one. Um, their Beechworth Estate Winery is um, they've, that kind of wine that they produce is is amazing. The Chardonnay and that's something that's on my list. I've pulled out the twenty. 20- 13 vintage for a couple of events recently and it kind of it really challenged the the burgundy on the table because it it went down so well so that's definitely up there um but again kind of hard to find and then i think for me giordano luigi giordano is a wine that um is a producer that i would love to see in my um under my christmas tree his wines are just amazing their barbarescos are incredibly kind of floral and elegant and just really interesting the 2019 showed really well when we were in italy in the summer so that's that's definitely on my christmas list yes delicious i think that's <laughs> that's an appropriate as well. <laughs> list Martin, what will you be asking for when you write to Santa this year? Well, the things I've spotted sale at the moment I'm particularly excited about, there are, um, there are some mature vintages of Frederick Emile, which is a special cuvee from Trimback, uh, which is a fantastic Riesling. There are some some very attractive Magnums I've spotted. There's some 2000 vintage Grod La Rose, I, I think, which is a real sort of standout um, Saint-Julien for me. Um, obviously, you know, great vintage, just absolutely perfect now in terms of um, in terms of its sort of level of maturity, you know, enjoy now and over the coming sort of five or ten years, but there's no no point in waiting. That's absolutely prime. I think any sort of Rioja with with lots of age. Again, one of the one of the charms of Rioja is the fact that it can it can age uh, far longer than 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 many of us sort of let it anyway. Um, so you know, lots of wines from the 70s and 80s from the producers I've mentioned previously, which are absolutely glorious. So lots and lots, really. Uh, I, uh, there'll be all sorts of things on my on my Christmas list. And I think that what I'd, what I'd say is that we, we at Berries, we 
in recent times, we really go out of our way to build the range um, so that it sort of crescendos around the Christmas period, whereby we have a greater selection of mature wines than we've had in the past. Um, myself and my colleagues put a lot of effort to try and make sure that, that there are options at different price levels and different regions, etc., with with maturity. So please do have a chat with your account manager and have a good browse of the site. There are, there are some wines on there that will really sort of surprise and, and excite I think fantastic well I have my fingers crossed for both of you that Santa comes through on those lists <laughs> it's been wonderful chatting with you both today I think all that remains for me to say is Amy Martin thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with me your stories in such wonderful surroundings thank you very much for coming on the podcast thank you so much for listening to this episode of drinking well podcast by Berry Brothers and Rudd. If you'd like to browse the producers mentioned in today's podcast and see what wines we have available, visit bbr.com slash podcast. Or if you're interested in starting a fine wine collection with Berry Brothers and Rudd, all the information you need can be found on bbr.com slash collecting. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We hope to welcome you back soon, but until then, Thank you again for listening to this episode of Drinking Well.